Welcome to Essential Viewing. I'm Cole Bielan. This week, we saw the recently released Candyman, directed by Nia DaCosta and executive produced by Jordan Peele. We all had some interesting thoughts in this film, so stick around to hear our takes on this much-anticipated sequel to the 1992 horror classic. If you'd like to watch along with us, next episode we'll be taking a break from high-end recent releases and stepping back in time to watch Samurai Cop, the 1991 cult classic directed by Amir Shervin. Let us know other films you'd like us to watch, or let us know your thoughts on this episode by leaving us a voice message using the link in the description. Thanks for joining us today, and we hope you enjoy the episode. All right, welcome back everyone to Essential Viewing, a film review and discussion podcast. I'm your host today, Cole Bielan, and I'm joined by... Christian Cuevas. And Bryce Kramer. Cool. And today we're going to be talking about the 2021 film Candyman, uh, directed by Nia DaCosta, and it's written, uh, and Jordan Peele is attached to this project as well. And this script was co-written by Jordan Peele, Wynne Rosenfeld, and uh, the director, Nia DaCosta. Um, This movie is a sequel to the uh, pretty classic, I think, and well-regarded slasher film from 1992 of the same name, Candyman. and the this uh, film stars uh, a pretty uh, excellent cast in terms, at least for my in my opinion. Um, we have Yaya Abdul Mateen as the lead, Tiana Paris, and um, Coleman Domingo, who was recently in Zola from A twenty four. I think we all enjoyed uh, Mr. Domingo's performance in that movie <laughs> quite a bit. Oh yeah. Um, and so um, yeah, we're gonna dis- discuss this movie today. We all watched it, and I think you guys were able to watch the original film uh, this week, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm glad I, watched, I'm glad I had a chance to watch that. Yeah. And I watched the original uh, a couple of days ago. I unfortunately wasn't able to watch it this week, but I had seen it a couple of years ago. So mm-hmm. um, your me- your memory of it may be actually better than mine. So I'm I'm excited to to get into that, and we may kind of do some com- comparisons between the two. I feel I feel like that'll kind of be oh, natural in yeah, discussion with this gonna, film. Definitely, naturally going to happen. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I think this is going to be a, a very interesting discussion among us, and um. I guess Chris, I'll, I'll I'll hand it off to you first. I'm I'm really excited to hear hear your takes and thoughts. Yeah. So, um, well, first I want to say unrelated, uh, but Kanye dropped the album today. Um, this is essential <laughs> listening, but it did happen. Um, so, if you're listening to this and and you've clicked over from from listening to that to tune into essential viewing, thank you. Um, anyways, back to Candyman. Uh, so yeah, I, you know, I have a shameless lot of plug for Kanye. <laughs> this podcast this is brought, is brought to, you to you by Kanye West. Kanye West. <laughs> Donda, go to listen. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I have a lot of thoughts about this movie. Um, many, many thoughts, I think. Um, but one thing I kind of want to, where I want to start is just like, I think there's, there's this like complaint online, you know, that the treasure trove of, of knowledge and wisdom that we call the internet where, where people are, are saying that like. You know, they messed up Candyman. They made it political. They made it woke. And, like, to those people, like, I don't know what to, what to tell you. Like, the original was very yeah. political. <laughs> like, yeah. You, you, I don't know what you were watching when you yeah. watched the original. Because they probably only watched Candyman 2 and 3. <laughs> is, is, that a, is that a thing? They were, like, yeah. I think direct to, to, direct to DVDs and oh. sequels. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, you know, this movie is 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 equally as as political as as the first one um and the issue is the issue or no this movie has issues um just put that out there um the issue is not because the movie is political but the the issue is that like in the first movie you know these these politics were were so artfully woven into the, the fabric of the movie and into the story you know and in this film the thing that really stands out when you watch this film is that it, it, it feels like they've like they take they took each scene and they put the, the scenes into two buckets. Right. Mm-hmm. You have like the the now it's time for an educational lecture about racism and segregation and gentrification scenes. Mm-hmm. And you have the this is a slasher horror movie scenes. Right. Mm-hmm. And they're like separate. <laughs> like they, yeah. they don't they don't <laughs> interact at all. They're like separate things. Right. So So the issue in my mind is that like when you put this whole thing together, instead of feeling like this cohesive vision of, you know, America 
now and the city of Chicago and racism and race relations and police brutality and all this, instead of feeling like a coherent vision of all that, it feels like a weird slideshow of mm-hmm. gore and social commentary, <laughs> like staggered one after another. And it doesn't fit together at all. That's, mm-hmm. I think that's like the glaring problem in this movie. Um, but yeah, I want to hear your guys' thoughts about that. Yeah, I, I, I think I, I agree with you, Chris. Maybe for some context for people, we haven't discussed the premise much. Um, both both films from 1992 and 2021 uh, focus around um, the city of Chicago, notably a neighborhood in, in Chicago called Cabrini Green, which I believe is on the north side close to Goose Island. And in the first film, it focuses on the, the nature of this, this neighborhood as kind of a, a housing development Um uh, the the, uh, the Cabrini Green projects and this exploration of this neighborhood and this local legend of uh, a hooked arm, like slasher villain sort of type story is explored by um, a white woman uh, that is working on a thesis paper for, for the uh, and kind of exploring this neighborhood and learning more about it. And there's a similar plot in this new film and it still focuses on Cabrini Green and it still focuses on this uh, this local legend of the Candyman, the slasher, but it's now being explored by Yaya Abdul's character, Anthony, who's an, an artist and is now living nearby the, the newly gentrified Cabrini Green neighborhood. And throughout the film, he kind of learns more about Candyman and Candyman starts to wreak havoc on the inhabitants of this of this neighborhood again. Um, I think what you said, Chris, about the film having these two different types of scenes and it being so disjointed in that way makes it like not as compelling. Um, it it yeah. is you, when you go from like scene to scene and there's not, it's not, they're not really intricately kind of woven together. It doesn't um, impact you as much into from like a kind of social commentary side or even from a horror movie side, like the scenes yeah. where Candyman appears and would I think fall in that bucket of uh, being a slasher film there they're like gruesome and some of the scenes are i think they they have some interesting uh elements to them um they focus a lot on mirrors and seeing Candyman in a yeah. in a mirror and not actually in the real kind of environment that that yeah. the person is standing in and i think those are those are cool and a, a cool way to kind of um show this character but i never thought any of them were like really scary or really no. f- frightening none i was never not i wasn't actually really yeah. scared at all in this movie the first no. movie was way way scary and the thing about those scenes is that they don't tie into the narrative like Mm-mm. if you think about the original right you think about that the scene that comes to mind is that great scene um where uh helen lyle played by virginia madsen is is with the psychiatrist right Mm-hmm. And yeah. you know the she um the psychiatrist examining her mental state right and then like Candyman comes through the window and kills the psychiatrist and then cuts her loose which then like makes it so that it looks like, again like she committed the murders even though she hasn't been committing any of these murders yeah. but he's pinning them on her right like that scene like it 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 glues into the overall story mm-hmm. right. The, the, yeah. In this movie, the violence, it's just like, okay, time to show you guys some, some blood and gore now. Yeah. Like, yeah, I think another another great thing in the first one is like, I think at least for a little bit of the movie, there's kind of like this question on like, is Candyman real? Or like, is this woman like kind of losing her mind and actually committing these crimes? And it's kind of like, eventually you, you realize, no, like yeah. Candyman's real. Like he's there. But it, there's, a, there's a little bit of a question of it. Like, does he exist or does he just exist in his, in her her consciousness um postmodern like what we get it like they're cool art scene people this is it's not like some clever dialogue where you know there's always scenes in the movie like the character comes into like a university lecture right and mm-hmm. it's like the end of the lecture and the professor says something or other sciencey thing that like cleverly foreshadows something that will happen later in the film right mm-hmm. that's a very common like trope in movies they happen in the first candy man they happen in the first candy man exactly <laughs> But in this movie, it's not. They're literally just talking about art world nonsense for no reason, besides to impress yeah. the audience. There was like, like this this kind of subplot that got shoehorned in with like the art scene didn't really care about this couple until like this tragedy like started surrounding them. Yeah, um, yeah. And the but, critic takes a huge one eighty. <laughs> yeah, but like again, this doesn't really connect to the rest of the themes of the movie, mm-hmm. with, you know, race well, relations or racism or whatever. Well, there, there's, there's a connection. I mean, I see what they're trying to do. There's this idea that I think has some resonance now of like 
kind of like commercializing the like black suffering and like yeah. commercializing mm-hmm. these things and and like like you know the way that corporations will like kind of use it as marketing and advertising and 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 sort of like pay lip service to these ideas but they're really just using them to make money right that's yeah. the idea that they are playing on you know and it's yeah. a true thing but the problem is that like everything every concept they try to tackle which they're trying to squeeze more into this movie than in the original because mm-hmm. you're, you have those same ideas of segregation and and poverty and like what that does to a whole city you know mm-hmm. which is the what the first movie was about but then you have these other ideas but they didn't cover any of them fully they just kind of like yeah half-assed like they, all of them so it all threw a like, lot of things at the wall and like all of yes. them pretty much fell off i i think the yes. the thing that really disappointed me with this is that chris you mentioned this kind of this subplot of of the, this art scene you know mumbo jumbo that they're discussing with there's the scene at the dinner which eventually uh where there's this critic from new york comes in he's saying oh you should come to new york like uh chicago is is kind of this you know lower class kind of art environment and yeah. it's like, like okay whatever and that that maybe is just dialogue to eventually lead to um where you know yaya's character anthony eventually leaves because of the news of this critic that he, whose house he was or apartment he was just at was murdered they, they put in a lot in this movie and it's only 91 minutes long like it's a exactly. short it's a very short yeah. movie and there are elements that are left in here that could have easily been cut out and so i much wasted time it's so much wasted time for and then even when the movie was when the movie was over i was like oh that was it i could yeah. i was ready for another like 20 or 30 minutes of it feels like yeah. they needed another 30 minutes or they needed to cut well, they out did, like they three didn't story need more time that's the thing they didn't work they just needed to cut out all the trash like yeah they yeah didn't, we didn't need this story the subplot of uh uh you know anthony mccoy's the character of his, his girlfriend trying to like make it as a curator like that we didn't need that yeah like the business with like the critic and like you know that that scene where he went to her apartment and and you know we're we're, we're getting that wide view of the buildings as she gets killed like that was mm-hmm. super cool yeah but the scene was not necessary the scene didn't do anything besides wow. having that conversation about how the critic basically sees all this this talk of of she kind of just thinks of it as a joke basically like she she sees it as a tool to become to use for your art but she doesn't see the real significance of the, the the discussion around racism right mm-hmm. that point was made in that scene but the scene didn't do anything narratively yeah it didn't need to be there no not at all there's, a, there's another scene where where um mccoy's girlfriend is in the gallery and there's all those like mannequins in the background that kind of look like those virgil or Blow, oh my Louis god I, for, I forgot about that there's like, another scene that, 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 that no, no purpose. I, I, I don't remember what you're talking about yaya's character's girlfriend has gotten a new job at the new art gallery and there's 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 in there's all these mannequins in the background and the camera slowly zooms in as they talk about literally like oh the old curator didn't really know what he was doing but now oh, i'm in charge okay yeah like, I, probably, I probably forgot about this scene because it wasn't relevant to it anything. didn't it, was, it wasn't, wasn't relevant <laughs> right. and it's a it's like a five it's like a five minute scene it's a 90 minute movie so a five minute scene is literally like what like over five percent yeah, it's a, a movie. It, it's a lot of time to dedicate <laughs> feels, to something. It that's feels pointless. like a lot with like Tyona Paris's character got like cut from the movie. I don't know if there's some like director's cut or a different script out there or something, but there's also like this subplot with like how her dad was an artist. Yes, and her, and her her dad died from suicide, and now she is like attaching herself to another kind of messed it's, up it's tortured just... artist. But again, it doesn't really go anywhere it's too many these aren't even half-baked ideas these are like Mm quarter-baked these are like microwaved for 30 seconds seconds on on power 10 (laughs) and the the inside is still frozen you know what i'm saying yeah outside is hot but you bite in and the inside is still ice like that's what these ideas were it's a pretty pretty solid analogy i i think there was there were a lot of things squandered with this film um like an interesting premise a good good subject matter from the previous movie um yaya's performance is like kind of like middling i think um like i yeah. i've really enjoyed him he's it's, he's a relatively new actor this is like, because he's he's like great in everything else yeah i've seen him in especially Watchmen and um try the chicago seven two of yeah in my head like he's a great actor but he's kind of just like wandering through these environments that he's in and there are some scenes where he like kind of frantically is painting late yeah. into the night, but that that's like the most kind of emotion or expression you get from yeah. him. Um, 
it's, and it's odd because like the first movie is like so much like this relationship and haunting between um helen and the original Candyman, right mm-hmm. like they're in a lot of scenes together like how many scenes does this movie have well, with yeah yeah well here's the problem the here's the problem here's the problem they wanted to make the damn spider-man origin story <laughs> like yeah. he literally gets bit by a bee and then he starts turning into the candy man who's now a superhero mm-hmm. like why I was, like, I was very upset that he didn't like immediately go to the hospital after that happened to his yeah when it's like in his like, like it's, it's just a like thing that should not be happening like he gets there eventually but like mm-hmm. but there's never the hospital immediately right <laughs> we never get to like enjoy like the candy man like haunting him it's just like it's literally like it, it's like venom <laughs> like they turned it into venom I never, I have not actually seen Venom yet. As well, but like, Marvel you know, the idea of Venom, like, podcast. yeah, like, it's a symbiote, and then he's getting these dark powers of violence. Mm-hmm. But this isn't Venom. This isn't Spider Man. Like, this is a whole different thing. And like, it's like they like wanted, they like fall into these superhero origin story tropes, which are like totally out of place here because, yeah. because Candyman is supposed to be like the specter of guilt looming over a place. For yeah. the evils that have happened there in the past, that's what it's supposed to be. It's not like this this power up you get. <laughs> you know what I mean, <laughs> and like, then that's how they they treat him like that in the in the end of the movie, right? Which I guess maybe we're get, we we can enter into the spoiler into zone. Spoiler zone. Um, spoiler at, zone. Because and 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 this the, I'll kind of speak on the ending for a bit because it's probably I. I, I will say despite some of the 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 weird kind of inconsistencies in in between the scenes and this focus on the art world like i i generally enjoyed the first two-thirds of the movie i think because i thought it was the first half um (laughs) and then and then the movie ends in like 15 minutes it wraps up and and it kind of the pacing is very off and i i um i felt very similarly when i saw get out the first time um i thought that the ending of get out is is it very oddly paced in that it kind of, you know, there's this like kind of slow buildup of tension and then like yeah. it, there's like a quick kind of like action scene and then the movie's over and it, yeah. it feels very, it's not very satisfying. And the same thing happens in Candyman. I don't, I don't know if that is just a coincidence or the fact that Jordan Peele, you know, wrote both films or was attached to both yeah. films um, may have, may have caused that. But um in the ending, Coleman Domingo's character, who is kind of just seen as this kind of peculiar old man that that lives yeah. around the Cabrini Green area, and and will talk to to um Anthony's Anthony, eventually he goes like full nut. Yeah, like nut out case. of nowhere, he, he like just like turns the, the, into like the, the, the villain the of the wizard movie. of the of the Satanist uh, cult. Eventually, his character, I I think, dies. I can't actually. Yeah, no, he yeah, yeah he's he got he got to death. He gets got. He, he got real bad. Yeah. <laughs> Titan of Paris's character gets him right. Yeah. Yeah. And then and then eventually she kind of invokes Candyman, who is now being, I guess, is uh, visualized by um, Yaya, and then uses him to kind of like exact revenge on the police, which is again a um, a, a moment of this kind of like social commentary that falls in that social commentary bucket. But then, like you're saying, Chris, he's like. Uh, being invoked as this kind of like superhero type character, and yeah. then and then the the film kind of just like very quickly ends after. You know that. that could have been handled so much better. Like I think what would have been better, like just just an idea that popped in my head. But imagine that like the police they do their thing and they get away with it, right? Mm-hmm. But then like they go home and like the cop's daughter is like saying Candyman in the mirror you know what i'm saying like yeah that's like more of like this it's not a it's like this is this is evil stuff but it's like guilt right and it follows Mm -hmm. you like karma almost you know i mean it's not like a superpower Mm -hmm. you know no one wants to be Candyman because being Candyman means that you've had like evils done Done upon you you, right Mm -hmm. Candyman is 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 again the guilt that follows around the people who took part in these things so like i said something like that that i just came up with on the spot where like (laughs) would have fit much better would have fit much better than like being invoked as a superpower because like everybody if if it's a superpower why doesn't everyone just say Candyman five times let's do it right now let's (laughs) let's say it because i want some superpowers essential viewing audience i dare you look (laughs) into Look into your mirror and say Candyman five times. Do and it. Yeah, I, and like it felt like very rushed, and they didn't need to rush the ending at all. They they could have easily, like we said, tacked on another thirty minutes of this movie, and I would have been totally fine with it. 
Um, yeah. yeah. Hey, but problem, one, one, go ahead, Bryce. Another problem I had with the end was that like, it felt like there was like twist after twist after twist after twist like thrown at you. Okay. And there wasn't time for like any of them to to stick or like no. for you to like realize what they meant or no. for them to have any sort of impact because one of the big twists, which maybe you figure out earlier than they actually tell you in the movie, is that um, Yaya's character Anthony McCoy is actually the baby right from mm-hmm. the first movie who like right. the original Candyman kidnaps and um, the stunt baby, the yeah. stunt baby, <laughs> and like Helen is is. Um, What's the word? She's like framed for kidnapping this baby. And like, it's a big plot at the end of the movie. Helen saves the baby from this bonfire and um, gives her back to her, her, her the baby's mother. Mm-hmm. Um, and then and the returning character, which was kind of like a surprise, was um, the mother's back in this movie, too. Mm-hmm. And she didn't look like she had aged that much, which was quite. Impressive. Yeah, she, yeah, she looks excellent. She, Vanessa Williams looking... looks great. <laughs> um that was really I was like that's the same actress wow <laughs> like, yeah for her. the the other thing is like i remember seeing in here and i, I think we talked about this before uh, at least bryce you and i had seen the movie is that tony todd who played Candyman in the original film was reprising his role but yeah, i was super he, excited uh, for that that was like some uh, uh like fisher like yeah, yeah like the end of Rogue One. <laughs> like that that man didn't even he probably wasn't even involved like they just used the footage and fed yeah. it into some ai yeah computer and end of that... arnold at the end of terminator salvation yeah <laughs> that was disappointing because like i wanted to see him because yeah. like the original like candy man it's himself was such a an interesting character in the original and when he appears and that voice which you only got to hear that voice even right at the end yeah his voice in the original is is like it's terrifying like all the good stuff about Candyman for the original they they pulled it out even even so a couple things i'll talk about Candyman's kind of character design because in in the original Candyman, it's portrayed by this one character or one actor tony todd and he's this one person they talk about his backstory um and this, it's like Candyman embodies a group of right. of men that have been wronged and and killed um, unjustly, and and so that he's like portrayed by this other actor for most of the movie. And what's what I think is interesting is that in the original film, Tony Todd is like he he he's this like pretty like handsome like imp, kind of imposing man, he's but he baller. doesn't he doesn't have yeah he and he has this like incredible jacket which I was sad did not make an appearance. It's like they they t- they t- found like the discount version of the jacket for for, for the twenty twenty one film, but yeah. like he isn't he's only scary because he has this like incredible like booming voice like kind of uh, distorted voice and then a hook for a hand. But he's like looks like this like clean like handsome kind of imposing man. And the only thing that sadly and it, I think is used a way the why he might be imposing is that he is black um but in this movie they like you know make the candy man as he's portrayed in these slasher scenes but his face is bloody and like distorted and and it just i don't know it, it missed out on that effect for me the actual candy man element of the film they totally botched it i would mm-hmm. say like they just made it like a zombie floating zombie with a hook yeah you know what i mean this is a person like who's coming to get you for the sins of this city you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. and like he, he you know he was like a he was an aristocrat. That's the whole story, right? He was an aristocrat in, mm-hmm. in the yeah. old town Chicago society. And he fell in love with a white woman and they all came and, you know, got him and killed him. Right. Like, like, wow, that's oh, wow. powerful. This lighting. is quite the story. Sure that's not, is he, that's I not think Katie I screwed yeah. up. Yeah. You should have seen the movie today. Are you sure Candyman's not coming after you? I am, I am. The, right, well, you can I'm only expect this level of production value on essential viewing, everyone. I am well, watching well, of, Bryce is being hunted by Candyman as we speak. But, mm. okay, like, literally, like, I, I hate how they, like, in order to try and make the movie feel, like, relevant, they, like, brought in all these, like, millennial archetype annoying <laughs> characters. Yeah. Like, like, uh... Speaking of useless characters, did like um, the brother and his boyfriend really contribute anything to the? Well, that that's what I'm saying. The they were annoying. Yeah. <laughs> they were just annoying. The art gallery dude and his girlfriend were just yeah. annoying. Like, why did they have that that like guy with the the monocle in the in the <laughs> restaurant? See, what was? What, what did, why did someone bother to put all that effort into creating this monocle man character? Yeah, literally just <laughs> does nothing. Like, I don't. I feel like a lot of people 
made this movie and then like they all had separate ideas and then at the end they just kind of smashed them together like it doesn't feel like a movie that was made by like yeah. i don't know how they split up the screenwriting duties did like it's... somebody write did they like uh ping pong the scenes and like you write this one i'll write the next one it's a bit odd because yeah there are three credited screenwriters on it the yeah. director needed to to jordan peele did they ever talk to each other while they were i don't know <laughs> probably the original maybe not i think the original movie was just who is this bernard rose i think they wrote and yeah. directed, directed it, it. Yeah, and I also I watched Nina Dacosta's first film, Little Woods, a couple days ago as well, and that one was just her writing and directing it, and I thought it was a fantastic movie. Um, mm-hmm. It's like a very focused story of these two sisters, played by Lily James and Tessa Thompson, um, mm-hmm. just kind of like trying to get by in like rural rural America and kind of crime and and healthcare and everything gets get brought into the story, but like it's very focused on them. It feels like a complete tale. Um, mm-hmm. They're two very well developed characters. A very emotional movie. Um, it, w- it was just very good and well put together and did not, this one did not feel like that at all. Mm-hmm. Another thing I wanted to mention, this movie completely missed the ball, which again, I think really hurt this movie is that when you look at the original Candyman, right, it, it, it paints like this vision of like what Chicago is, you know, it mm-hmm. shows us like the, the intellectual mm-hmm. academia scene and like, yeah. and then at the same time, it shows us like the projects and Cabrini Green and the poverty. And it shows you the dynamic of how those interact. Like there's that great scene where, um, Helen and uh, what's her name? Uh, Bernadette. Bernadette. They, they yeah. go into the Cabrini Green and like the people are like, you know, you can't be here. Like, what are you doing here? Like scenes like that, they kind of they kind of show you the like how the city works. Right. There's a line like yeah. you're supposed to stay over there and we stay over here and we don't cross paths. Right. Yeah, that, that's really such a great scene in the original when she's like yeah. walking through the the apartments and like seeing like the Candyman graffiti on the walls and mm. the scene where like she walks through the mouth of Candyman. Oh yeah, man. amazing. Oh man, and in this Attention, in this movie, right? yeah, in this movie you get yeah yeah like he still he does the same kind of trip. He like walks around some abandoned apartments, but it's just like but, it's it takes like it's one movie... minute long and there's like one there's like the graffiti on the walls not related to Candyman or yeah. anything. It's just. <clears throat> This movie it turns Chicago into like this generic like GTA, like <laughs> metropolis with no like it doesn't even feel it feels like they could have filmed this thing in Canada, like mm-hmm. it feels like they kind of want it to be like a New Yorky sort of yeah like maybe they agree with that that one guy that New York is <laughs> is Canada or Chicago is just farmland compared to to New York like I don't understand like they didn't show us Chicago like they, yeah. they have that cool montage at the beginning of all the shots of iconic buildings oh, in Chicago, like that, that beginning got me pretty excited because there, yeah, there was yeah. also the um like the initial opening credits were like they were reversed like you were looking into a mirror almost mm-hmm. and I was like, like yeah the production, was, the production logo the production yeah, company logos I was so confused reversed. I was like what. I, I, I thought that they flipped the up. projection. <laughs> I, yeah, I thought the I same thought thing was wrong because like our, <laughs> my my screening like the screen like flashed green or something. There was like some static right before the movie started. So I was like, oh crap, did something happen? Yeah. And then everything yeah. was reversed. And I was like, oh shit. I, I was go. like, here we go. I'm gonna have to complain about this. to the movie theater staff. Yeah. But um, it, it, like looking back, like if it was a really good movie, that was that would have been a, kind of a fun touch at the beginning. Yeah. Um, and then like you know like the upside down camera, like the spooky foggy Chicago skyline was pretty cool and even then, that yeah. in hindsight even that felt half-baked like really they just flipped around the production company logos it was just confusing oh, yeah that that, is, that <laughs> I totally agree with and it didn't really play I mean it, it, like Bryce said it, it uh, kind of alludes to this kind of the emphasis on mirrors and like looking into the mirror and but seeing the mirror thing they didn't do they didn't do that much with it in the movie besides like you know the one scene where um Yaya is in the critics apartment which that was a cool scene. I like that yeah. scene yeah. where he looks at himself in the mirror and it's, it's Candyman. Uh-huh. Like, <laughs> like, but they didn't do that much with the whole idea of mirror. I feel like they could have done something with mirrors and it the almost, idea of like a mirror is reflecting your, your the, the things that you've done wrong. You know, but they yeah. didn't do anything with it. Yeah. It almost feels like the mirrors like made the horror scenes like less scary also because you're always yeah. like you know exactly where to look for Candyman, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. there's a mirror in the left corner. He's gonna be coming from there. It's like it's no surprise. Like, yeah, that is true. Is. Whereas the first movie, like you know, there, that there parking was that- garage scene. Yeah, like he would oh. just appear anywhere. You know, he'd jump through yeah. windows. He'd approach you through a parking lot. Yeah, they like they change his mechanics kind of, which sounds <laughs> silly, but they it's like, it, yeah, it's 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 very <laughs> strange. Like him. because you you have, you know, like he only kind of appears in these environments until the end of the movie, where he seemingly you know he gets a buff 
and he can, you know, come <laughs> come out and you see uh, like you see Anthony McCoy now as the Candyman walking along, and you see his reflection as all these other people that he embodies um, in the, the the windows of the police car. Um, in the scene that like was warned by, to me by AMC that it could trigger okay, ep- epilepsy. That movie, that scene was impossible to watch. The it blue was, yeah. flashing lights were like way too bright. I like I literally, there. I literally covered the screen with my hand because like, I couldn't stand to. Yeah. To Wait, look, you watch on your phone, Bryce. No, like, I mean, I put, you can put your hand close to your eyes. I, I know, yeah. I know. I'm just joking. I, so. I, I think we, we've we've you know kind of railed on this movie quite a bit. Ragged. Let's keep going. <laughs> yeah, we can. I mean, we, if you guys want to keep doing that, I will say that I think that there are some uh, elements of, of or there there's some like stylistic choices they did in this movie that I, I did enjoy, and and that's why you know when we eventually get to our ratings, this wasn't you know a complete dud. I think there's some interesting things. Bryce, you mentioned that that opening shot where they ha- they have like. A camera, I assume, mounted on like the bed of a truck, or I think I read online on one of the the L trains that passes through like above ground mm. oh, in Chicago, cool. and it's and it was like looking up into the sky, but it was very cloudy, and the tops of the buildings were in yeah, like shrouded cool. in fog. The I love that they were coming out of the fog. It, like they yeah. were- it, I thought that was really, really There's cool. Kind of like the cool. people on the ground level of Chicago looking up to the people yeah. living in the mm-hmm. the high. You know, when we talk top. about the style of this movie, though. A lot of the stylistic things, I feel like they were done better by the movie that it seems like this movie was very jealous of, which is uh, Velvet Buzzsaw. <laughs> <laughs> like that's the Jake Gyllenhaal Netflix one, right? Yeah. Why did they? Why did they try to remake Velvet Buzzsaw? I remember I, not thinking that movie was very good either. But I, 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 I never, I never saw it. So you guys are kind of this movie. The oh, art no, I did. Scene. Yeah. It's like. Literally, that that scene was done better in Velvet Buzzsaw. I don't understand why. Like maybe 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 it's a coincidence, but it really felt like somebody watched Velvet Buzzsaw and they're like, "We should do that," <laughs> but with Candyman, yeah. which of all the movies you'd pick to to like take as inspiration, I don't know why you'd choose that one. But so like stylistically, even some of those things fell flat because I was like, I've seen this before. Like you know what I mean. I completely forgot about that movie. Uh, I'm sorry. I, to say I mean, it. as you should have, but trust it's me, only, it's only two it years old, 2019. That feels like a you lifetime ago. I watched that. If you watch yeah. that movie again, you'll see it's very similar. A lot of the sequences are really similar, mm-hmm. especially that art gallery scene. Yeah, I think honestly, like that that the opening sequence is kind of the only thing I can think back to now that I enjoyed. I I did think. That the um, the scene again, where where Anthony McCoy goes to the art critic's apartment to kind of talk with her. She had this. She lived in this like strange like Art Deco building that it was had so like weird. a spiral hallway and like some like yeah. arches and, like, and the and decor I, in her like living room was like completely different from like the hallway where the bathroom was. It bugged me. <laughs> yeah, and, and it was kind of like unsettling. I think that was just a set design piece um that i i i liked but again that scene kind of just doesn't provide anything besides uh you know building tension towards or like adding to Candyman's kill count i guess yeah the apartments I were overdone like how rich are these people like why <laughs> yeah. do they all live in restoration hardware showrooms yeah like that is that is true <laughs> Like Chicago is not as as expensive as New York or LA, but it's but also those apartments. Yeah, th- yeah, they're not cheap at all. Those um, apartments are going to cost you a lot anywhere. Yeah, like those are some ridiculous apartments they're all living in. Yeah, especially with the main couple. Like he's a Anthony very successful Brianna. artist. I feel like they were both like in the ground floor. You know, like they were trying to make their way into like the the art. They already like, they made it. Like, it <laughs> yeah. seemed like they were already there. Based on you got all an apartment this, like that. They have. Yeah. yeah, it's um, yeah. I'm trying to think there was I'm trying to think oh, of anything you liked about the movie besides that those opening <laughs> well, sc- like shots Coleman Domingo I mean he was like the only person who really felt like a real person on screen there but again I mean, squandered squandered completely squandered yeah. and they, they, they did they like turned him into the demon priest for no reason <laughs> at the end it doesn't make any sense like like they they totally misused him. You get Coleman Domingo in a movie. You need to you need to like yeah. take advantage of his his abilities because yeah. that one, man one is the, magnetic on screen. Yeah. One of the one of the big strengths of the first one was kind of like the scenes in the Caprini Green neighborhood and like Helen walking around. Like he really got a sense of what this 
this neighborhood and these people and this area exactly. is like. Um, mm -hmm. And it's a great job with the cinematography and, and the sets and everything there. But in this movie, there's the same trip to the, the neighborhood and the place is like, like Coleman Domingo lives there, but Nobody is he the only, is, is he the I only one? <laughs> mm -hmm. Like there's, there, he has a line where like, oh yeah, the cops are always around and they're, you know, again, they're trying to touch on that, but it just doesn't build the atmosphere the same way the, the it felt made up did. it didn't feel it didn't, there was a fence you had to climb over a fence to get in there how did he yeah. get in there how does yeah. he leave and come back without also having to climb over a fence yeah like it just felt made up yeah. it felt like they had access to this this set and they're like okay we have to shoot it here so figure out what to write so that we can justify shooting it here you know it, it didn't it didn't feel real yeah. it felt real in the original movie it felt like this is the real neighborhood where oh you yeah. know this, the black people are forced to live on this side of the town. The white people live over here. It's a real dynamic that's happening. And that is how Chicago is. Like, Chicago is, like, the most segregated city in America. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think Milwaukee might be more segregated. But but Chicago is up there. Yeah. And, like, how, how can you just, like, you instead of having your characters give lectures about that, just put it in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> like, they had it really, like, it could have been really, really well done and, like, really interesting story to show because, like, I think, like, this is what truly has happened to that that neighborhood in Chicago. Mm -hmm. um, but it just, they don't show it on the the screen. Part of me, I, I maybe, um, I don't know how you guys feel about these, like, there are lines of dialogue and, and specific expressions especially i think in in movies today that really sh kind of cement in time when they take place right um like specific like pop culture references and and things like things like that that really what will show a movie's yeah. age in five or ten years <laughs> yeah. um namely it i think there were uh there was a line it, um or a couple lines here one of which is from anthony mccoy yaya's character where he says like, "Oh, the Zillow listing didn't say, you know, this house, this apartment was haunted," which is like, <laughs> doesn't really contribute anything to the film, and and it's just showing this kind of like new uh, emphasis on like like Zillow browsing culture, which yeah. will just like not age. I think it's going to age very it, poorly. It, it felt like some old people were like trying to like very hard to make sure that the movie was relevant to like the, the yeah. Gen Z, the TikTok kids. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like. You you remind me of my favorite scene in the movie, Cole, is when they when they put the AirPods meme in the movie. What? Do you remember what? when like no. when um Tyona Paris Brianna got kidnapped by Coleman Domingo's character? She's like pounding on the door in the laundromat to like get this woman's attention to like come and save her. But then the movie's to her, and it's like she has her AirPods in, so she doesn't hear the oh, oh. her crying oh, for help. I see. That was a that big was meme funny. online for a while. You know, it was like, help me, help me. Oh, oh I, no, they're wearing AirPods. Uh, okay, that <laughs> was funny. that went completely over my yeah, head. Yeah, me, me too. I forgot that's, about that's that funny. Yeah. yeah. I that that got a chuckle out of me, I'm not going to lie. Yeah. I um I think there there's some moments of humor here. I I will say despite the the character, the the girlfriend of the the art gallery owner like being annoying, like both those characters being annoying, there is a uh, she like speaks in quotes to Joy Division. And she's like wearing like a Joy Division shirt, which I think has become like, or at least that that album cover has been like, kind of had a resurgence recently. And uh, yeah, and she's Urban like, Outfitters, it, yeah, has like <laughs> co-opted it. And and then the guys like, and she's like speaking in in quotes from the album, and he's like, "We get it, you like Joy Division." Like, I thought <laughs> I thought that was was pretty funny. Um, and then there's a, there are some nods to kind of like classic. Or they subvert classic horror movie tropes, like in the scene in the bathroom when there are these five girls that um, that are like standing and like looking in the mirror and being like kind of pressured to say Candyman. And I think yeah. it's four white girls and then one like Asian American girl, yeah. and she's like, nope, and she she gets the hell out. Well, the same thing happens too uh, when uh, Tiana Paris is in the back room, yeah, yeah. she opens the door, and she's like, okay, she's like nope, nope. Yeah. There, which is funny, right? Because like that was a I good laugh like... too, yeah. <laughs> I feel like in horror movies, like when I watch a horror movie, like, you know, it's always like the characters like, oh, let's investigate this. Right. And like, yeah, everybody like, knows, like, if you're black, like, you're not going to do that. <laughs> like, <laughs> the culture. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to investigate anything. I'm going to leave. Yeah. Like, I'm never going to say, oh, that looks interesting. We should go down there and check it out. Like, I'm going to I'm going to get out of there. Right. So well, it was funny. It was funny that she was just like, nope, because yeah. like 
that's like what you know i would what i know i would do <laughs> yeah and, and and i think i think that most is reasonable like, people would do yeah and i think that's admirable like i think that 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 those are like kind of funny moments that that, yeah. that are are like kind of i i i respect it in a way i did not get this airpods meme reference at price throughout maybe maybe, the, maybe they weren't referencing the meme maybe i just remembered it but that's that's yeah. what i saw but that another and if that's the case that is going to age horribly well yeah it's <laughs> another funny line where uh uh paris's brother he says like black people don't need to be summoning shit. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was pretty funny yeah um I guess just an interesting bit. This not to get to a trivia portion of the podcast, but um, one thing I learned recently, I was listening to a, a, another podcast that was discussing Candyman, and apparently, um, Tony Todd, the actor that portrayed the original Candyman in the 1992 film, he there's the scenes with the bees that are, like that happen that come up toward the end of the movie. Those are like real bees. <laughs> Um, oh, what? That was yeah. a lot of bees. And there's a lot of bees, and they're like crawling in his mouth and like doing all this stuff um, on his, on his face. And it, like obviously the bees at the end of the film here are CG. Like that's very like yeah. they, they can they can do that now. <laughs> they weren't able to do it in 1992. And apparently Tony Todd negotiated in his contract um, for starring in the original Candyman that he would get an, a bonus of $1,000 for every bee sting he got during the huh. scene. He was stung 23 times. Oh, wow. So he got a fat 23 grand. See, for, we can go uh, back to 1992. They they really made movies in 1992. Yeah, yeah. they actually cut they off his arm and took. attached the real clothes. So <laughs> I, just, I just pulled up Tony Todd's filmography here, and this man has not stopped acting for a minute. Like, yeah. he's in, like, 10 Final things a year. Like, from 1990 so like the fact that they couldn't get him in a bigger role in this like i don't i don't get it at all i yeah. see here he, he was the voice of dark side and some justice league cartoons which that sounds great i need to watch that now to hear him as the voice um he should have been the candy man like i don't know yeah. what the point was with having it be some random who even was the guy like what why not just bring him back yeah. Like, I could like, see, like, if he wasn't acting anymore, or, like, you know, he was too old or whatever, but no. he's clearly still, like, a, an actor that's going going hard and, and being in a lot of things. I feel like this movie somehow manages to disappoint both. If you're a fan of the original, it's disappointing, right? Mm -hmm. If you, if you're if you're brand new to the to the to Candyman and you're looking for something that some some clever balance of horror and social commentary, you're very disappointed. Mm hmm. It's awkward too because the movie treats you treats it at the same time like you have and haven't seen the first movie. Yeah, mm. I don't. I because was like they, mad. They, yeah, they give like an overview of what happened in the first movie at the beginning, but like, it's it's not what actually happened. It's right. like, and then later on in the movie, it's like a twist that oh no, this is what happened in the first movie. But it's stupid. Like at yeah. first, I thought they were just changing the plot of the original. Yeah. I was like, you can't do that. But then, then it's like, <laughs> oh, it's a twist. But like, it's not a twist if you've seen the original. Yeah. Like what? It, you, you guys are referencing the, how the uh, Candyman was actually a guy with like, he had like a prosthetic hook hand and was seen giving well, candy to kids. Well, well in the, in, in the beginning, said, they say like Helen did all the, the murders. Like, Oh, they tell yeah. the story of Helen. Like, yeah, she killed and all these. She threw people. the baby into the fire. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and like it's like to. it's it's slightly close. It's slightly similar to the first movie, but a little bit different to be mm -hmm. like kind of you know as the story's been passed down orally from generation to generation. Yes, um, things kind of change. Yeah. yeah, but it doesn't it doesn't work when like you've seen the first movie and yeah. you know what happened. <laughs> I will say you guys reminded me. Well, I think one other redeeming quality of this are the scenes with the shadow puppets. Yeah. Um, I, I did think that was that was a cool kind of storytelling device and just very like visually intriguing. Um, and uh, the 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 after or the credit sequence in the end, I don't know if you guys stayed around. Yeah, for the I credits. stayed around I to did, watch yeah. all of those. There, I was the only one left in my theater when it, they were done. And my theater was like full when the movie started. Oh, wow. Everyone I, booked it out like the second the credits started. Yeah. <laughs> Even though I, there was that pretty cool sequence to watch. Yeah. And, and it, it was interesting, too, because in that sequence, they show they kind of I think the point was to reenact these other stories of 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 African-American men that had been like, like, basically murdered by by some kind of authority or people yeah. in the, their environment. And it was like, I think they maybe meant to depict more of those scenes in the actual movie itself. But then they were cut and then they still included the shadow puppet scenes in the end, um, yeah. which was very 
like kind of confusing and I think signifies that there were, there were a lot of things that were cut out to make the film shorter, but you then there was also, a lot of bullshit that was left in. You know in. what else would have been cool with this idea of Candyman being like the collective sort of reincarnations of all these people? Why not have like a ton of Candyman show up? You know, <laughs> why not at the end have like, you know, 40 the, the Candy dudes. Avengers. 40, yeah, four, like, four Candyman team up to. Because yeah. the idea is like, okay, it's all these people, but it, we're just seeing one guy. We're just seeing one guy's face. We don't even know who that guy is. But we're just seeing him the whole time. Or he, like, no, I think we do know who he was because he was in the. Oh well, yeah, the well, movie, I mean, right? he, oh yes, but he doesn't really have any that much significance. Yeah, you know, he's just a dude, basically, right? Like, like, it, like they needed to to pick, like either have one iconic Candyman, which would have been Tony Todd, right? Or like, I feel mm. like they should have gone the other direction with like. You know, maybe there's, there's we are seeing many of them, and like that's how we're like, expressing that would have been that a good idea. story if they would have stuck with just that mm-hmm. as like the plot of the movie. You know, and really expand on all these different people that like yeah. collectively make up Candyman. I think that could have been a really good, good idea and a good story, but yeah, yeah it didn't. But yeah, didn't plus come one across. to the to the, to the shadow <laughs> puppetry that that was cool. Yeah, I, I feel like. Like what I feel like that they could have made that like a mechanic of Candyman somehow. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like that would have been interesting. I don't know how that would have worked, but I feel mm-hmm. like it could have. If they're gonna use that as the aesthetic for a large parts of the movie, how could that have played in? Maybe Candyman is working in the shadows. Mm-hmm. But no, he's not. I don't he's, he's working in the reflections. He's in the mirrors. I know, yeah, but mirrors, it he's not in the shadows. <laughs> I know, but <laughs> yeah, it's no. I I I think um it was a, a, a kind of a unique uh style like style shift. And I'm glad that they at least just like went back to it. It wasn't like there was just one scene with some shadow puppets and that was it. Um, at least it was recurring. I agree with what you're saying, Chris. If they could kind of have like eh, folded that in with, you know, the mechanics of Candyman, that would have also, that would have been interesting as well. But um, I think, I mean, <laughs> I don't know if you guys have anything more you'd like to say about this. Uh, I, I, I don't think any of us would consider this film to be essential viewing. No, I'd uh, say, I'd say the not. original 1990. Two is it? Candyman yep. is essential I, viewing. I, I would agree. Say, this this one is not. Yeah, I would past. say watch watch the original one. It is fantastic. I can't recommend that one yeah. enough. This mm-hmm. one, you can skip it. Yeah. But this one hurts because I feel like this wasn't just like, you know, there's been I've, a lot of movies that have come out this year where they they just you know don't breathe too. Okay. Like the original was great. The second one did not show any potential. It just was bad, okay? Mm-hmm. But this movie, you can see how if they just arranged the pieces yeah. differently, it could have been, like, amazing, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? But they just, they, you could see them swinging and missing. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. what really hurts. You know, you could see the ball flying past the bat. And there's there's the a lot of there's a lot of talent, yeah. like, associated with this movie exactly. as well. You know, like, yeah. the main cast is great. I really liked Nia DaCosta's first movie. Jordan Peele was, Cole had some complaints about Get Out, but I really liked um us his second mm-hmm. movie like there's a lot of great talent on this and somehow it just just didn't come together yeah yeah no i, I was just gonna say again i think what yeah wasted potential here is it i think yeah really, i think really the problem like you know because we're seeing so many of these things with with um you know these social commentary type of films i think the problem in these movies reflects the problem in the culture which is that like people would rather just yell things than have a, a, a conversation about them you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. so now like and it's reflecting in these movies because the movies instead of instead of asking you questions instead of inspiring you to think about these issues right and and and, and posing questions to you and asking yourself to consider how you fit into this these these issues the movies are just yelling at you you know what mm-hmm. i mean they're just saying like literally you have characters speaking in tweets at various points in this movie, yeah. you know, so I think that like the problem that we're seeing in the movie, because it's 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 not just this movie. I mean, I feel like I'm seeing it in a lot of the things I watch. And I think it reflects the problem in the culture overall. And I think that like in filmmaking, there's there's some people that would tell you a film should never be political. That's nonsense. Like the film should be political. <laughs> yeah. Like they should be be making statements about the world. But you have to do it in a way that is a storytelling way. You can you can say whatever point that you want to make. You know, and I agree with the message that this movie has, but it's not doing it in storytelling, right? Mm-hmm. I can go and I can go down to you know Union Square here in New York City and watch people yell their political opinions if that's what I want to do. If I want, I want to be told a story, and I want that story to challenge me and make me think about things. That's what this movie should have been doing, but it, instead, it, they just kind of took the lazy way out of just like we'll have the characters speak some tweets, and then we'll yeah. do some slasher stuff, and hopefully, you'll like it. Which mm-hmm. it sounds like. 
we didn't like it that no, much. No. I feel like I'm especially I feel like I'm especially critical of it as well. Just watching the original movie, you know, yeah, a couple of days before yeah. it, which is like excellent and kind of does everything. This one almost did, but a lot, a lot better. Um, and and uh, one last thing about the original film, and I mentioned this to you guys maybe off mic uh, a couple a couple days ago, that the original film is, um, the, I would say, this kind of social horror genre that Jordan Peele seems to kind of uh, brought to the forefront of of the, the zeitgeist in the last you know five six years um, is really like you know it seemed relatively new, but the 1992 Candyman felt like one of those kind of good yeah. social horror thriller yeah. films. But it again, in, in the early '90s, um, which is, I think, is is really impressive to me, and to think that a film like that was made then, and it, you know, it's not that long ago, but still pretty surprising, um, when it seems like people are only starting to want to talk about race relations and kind of the the um, unjust treatment of 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 some groups in the U.S. in the last you know ten years or so. But uh, yeah, I think that kind of will wrap it up for us today do you guys want to um, give any parting thoughts we got we got some ratings right Let's do some ratings on letterbox chris what'd you give this yeah you know i i as we've talked about this movie i've, uh-huh. I've liked it less i feel the same <laughs> way about it yeah. but i'm gonna i'm gonna hold to my 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 letterbox rating mm-hmm. um let's check out my letterbox at christian cuevas for a full mm-hmm. written review of the movie as well mm-hmm. but um three stars three stars three you know stars. It, it's 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 a good Saturday, which is when I saw it at the movies, but not a movie that accomplishes what it sets out to do, mm-hmm. and not a movie that gives us a grand vision um, that we're looking for in something like Candyman that the original did. So three stars. Yeah, I gave it the same. Uh, my review is not nearly as eloquent uh, or as comprehensive as as Chris's here, um, but uh, I do give a nod to the uh, the costume design for Yaya. He seems to have taken a page from my personal style book um, with the red beanie and the cuff t-shirts. But um, Bryce, is this yeah, on your letterbox yet? I don't think I typed anything in, but I was thinking two and a half stars. Ooh. Yeah. Um, a little bit I, lower. I'm going, I think that's one of my lowest. I mean, the last three weeks I was thinking I was four stars all the time and mm-hmm. I'm no longer four in a row, four stars, two and yeah. a half. We're a tough crowd. It's hard to get. Viewing. It's hard to get four stars on Essential Viewing. We don't just hand that out, you know. <laughs> we well, I, I, usually, I just handed out, but this one didn't. I didn't <laughs> hand it to. All right, and thanks for listening to this week's episode of Essential Viewing. We'll be back next week for a very special episode. We'll be together in person, talking about the 1991 action film Samurai Cop. A bitter samurai cop and his sidekick intend to get their revenge and bravely try to go after the Yakuza in this film directed by Amir Shervan. So get excited for that one. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, Until then, thanks for listening. I'm Christian Cuevas. I'm Colby Ullin. And I'm Bryce Kramer. And we'll see you on next week's episode.